We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. So I want to do uh, something a little different to start today. Uh, obviously, today is a big day for us. So everyone, please stand. And so um, I just want to walk through this briefly. If today is your first Mass at Lourdes, please sit down. Last night we had a bunch of those. They were like, we were so embarrassed. It's not to pick on you. (laughs) If you are someone who uh, was with us uh, all the way back um, when we moved into the gym and you've been with us during our time in the gym, please remain standing. Now, here's the big jump. Well, maybe we'll do one more intermediate one. If you were here before I was named pastor five years ago, please remain standing. If you were here when uh, Father Bob Fisher did the project to build our school gym, please remain standing. Here's another big jump. If you were here when they built the upstairs church and they finished it in 1965, please remain standing. Now there's another jump, but really quick, can we give these folks a round of applause? Okay, Langans, (laughs) where were you guys married? In the downstairs church. Ron and Roberta Langan, some of our longest parishioners. Uh, If you go down to McCadden Hall downstairs, which I don't want you to today, but when you do you'll see it's set up like a church. There's closets downstairs that were the old confessionals. And I know these two, they've told me they were married in that downstairs church. Uh, So you guys can be seated, thank you. Thank you to all of you. Um, I think today is is the biggest day for Lourdes since 1965, when this upstairs church was initially built. What a tremendous joy, and I want to thank you for your generosity, uh, for all the ways that you have loved God and made sacrifices for him and for his church. That's why we're here, and that's why we have this beautiful new church. I want to walk you through a few things. It's hard to preach today, but I I want to walk you through a few things. I'm not going to tell you everything because there's too much to tell you. And I also think there's something beautiful as you get to know your new church that you notice things that maybe you won't notice today. That as time passes, you'll discover more and you'll go deeper. Um, One more thing, I think a very cool testimony to you all and to the generosity you had 
when we first did our study on how much money we thought we could raise for the renovation, our company told us that on the high end, we could raise about $3 million. We raised over five. Thank you. That's why this church is so beautiful. So a couple of, of banal, and then hopefully we move to what really matters. What really matters is not all the things that have happened. Beauty matters. Uh, and I know bathrooms and air conditioning matter. Those do matter. <laughs> but uh, then we can get to what really is the heart and the center. Um, so a few, a few highlights. So the most important thing, there are three new bathrooms. Um, there, there used to be a walkway back here that went down and a stair down to McCadden Hall. That's no longer there. There are two. You have to go outside to the narthex. But in that back corner, um, that would be the northwest side, there are two brand new bathrooms there. There is a third, if you go through this door, uh, basically right back behind here. This area has been reorganized back behind this wall. We have our new adoration chapel, which isn't quite finished. We have dreams for that, but that's one of the areas we had to kind of save some money up. Uh, and there's a new bride's room as well. So please feel free to go check that out, but there's a bathroom there. We thought it'd be smart to have a bathroom uh, next to the bride's room. I am told such things I don't know. I'm a celibate. Um, the, the narthex, that area out back, is such a gift for our community, and I think especially of this mess. I don't have kids, but I don't believe in cry rooms. Parents I know and friends of mine who have kids, I don't believe in cry rooms. I love you all so much because you are open to life. Thank you. Right, and I know when your kids scream, I had some new parents, they had their firstborn, and they're like, Father Brian, it's so different when it's your kids screaming. I'm like, can't relate, you know, but I believe you. I love how open you are to life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. People tell me they listen to the homilies on the podcast and they hear the children crying. You know what that is? That's the sound of a community that is open to God's commandments. Thank you. Love that. The narthex, the reason we built a narthex, there's a couple reasons. One of the main ones is that our children belong in church with us. And if they go nuts, which they're going to do, that's okay. That's what children do. Children go nuts, right? <laughs> that's why I became a celibate. I'm going to say that eight <laughs> times in this mass. <laughs> children go nuts. That's what they do. We built that narthex, and I want to stress this. That narthex is not a hangout place. And guys, not to pick on you, but kind of, we tend to do this. Guys, if you're a guy who just like doesn't really want to go to church, that narthex is not for you. It's not a hangout place for I don't want to be inside the church. That narthex is for parents, for nursing mothers, for people who need to be out there during Mass. And so I really hope you'll help me keep it that way. There are screens out there that'll have, that have the Mass broadcast on them, and there's, the sound has, it carries out to the narthex as well. I'm very excited about that. It's a great place for our parents to take their kids. I think the church is so integrated. Our, our architects, we have two of them, they were phenomenal and magnificent. They pride themselves on making things integrate. Uh, 
that third row of windows that's clear up top wasn't there before. But I think it feels like it always was. And that's a huge compliment to them, the way they designed that. The church is much brighter than it was before. These pendant lights are the same ones we had uh, earlier before we moved into the gym. They've been cleaned out. They have new you know, lights inside of them. Uh, and they've added a lot of light to the church. There's a lot more light fixtures. Um, the beams up above have been beefed up in a huge way. A couple others, because again, I don't want to do too much right now. Uh, there are a couple things that I just, we really did very intentionally. This walkway, Christianity, you've heard me preach about this. The first name for Christianity was the way. Right? To be a Christian means to be someone who's walking with Christ, who's on pilgrimage, who is going somewhere. And I hope you feel that when you walk up the center aisle. That you are on your pilgrimage towards God and towards communion with him. That's what Christianity is. Uh, this arch didn't exist before. It's new. Uh, the... Um, we chose blue because blue is the color of Our Lady, right? And this is Our Lady of Lords. So this church belongs to Jesus Christ, to the Father and to the Spirit, but it, it belongs to the Holy Trinity through Mary. It's Our Lady of Lords, and blue is Mary's color. The crucifix, a lot of people told me they didn't know this. That's the same crucifix, but two of our parishioners redid it. They stripped down. It was, the wood was blonde before. They stripped the wood down, and we restained it. And then we repainted it, and we added gold leaf. And I think it's the most beautiful crucifix that exists in the diocese. I just love that crucifix. It's beautiful, isn't it? The marble on the back piece was chosen by one of our cabinet members. I think of him every time I see it. And it's, it, it's book match, right? It's a beautiful piece of stone. I just love the way it frames. I think it's a piece of providence that the veins and the marble, it's like they were designed for that crucifix. So beautiful. Our architect told me, he said, Father Brian, because we, he, I don't know anything. I, I told all the people on the church, I said, you guys know they're going to give me all the credit for this. And they're like, yeah, we know, and you're a total chump. Um, our architect told me, and I told him, I said, Adam, I was like, he's like, Father, what do you want the church to look like? I'm like, beautiful. Want it to look beautiful. He's like, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know. You do it. Right? So Adam Hermanson, who's going to be speaking this summer at one of our gatherings at the Grottos, he designed this arch. And I think that's maybe my favorite thing in the new church. He told me a couple weeks ago, he said, Father Brian, you will never see another arch like that. It's totally unique, and he told me when he thought of that arch, when he was designing it, he thought of a monstrance. Right, and a monstrance, if you don't know, when, if you go to adoration, there's a gold like metal thing that holds the Eucharist. It's called a monstrance, and it oftentimes has rays going out from it that is meant to make us think of the glory of God going outwards. And Adam said, this arch is a monstrance for our crucifix and our tabernacle. I love that. It's so cool. Lastly, we'll come to this. 
the arch is not Greek, right? It should have been typo. No. It's Latin. Um, and we chose Latin because we're a Latin church. We're the Roman church. Uh, but that says, et uh, verbum caro factum est. And we're going to talk about that now. That phrase is from John 1.14. And it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We chose that, John 1.14, and it doesn't say all that, that we ran out of room. At verbum caro factum est just means, and the word became flesh. And that's where we're going to go with our sermon today. First, I want to read to you, today's Trinity Sunday, and I want to start, I just want to start with a prayer from St. Augustine. You, my God, are supreme, utmost in goodness, mightiest and all-powerful, most merciful and most just. You are the most hidden from us and yet the most present among us, the most beautiful, and yet the most strong, ever enduring, and yet we cannot comprehend you. You are unchangeable, yet you change all things. You are never new, never old, and yet all things have new life from you. You are the unseen power that brings decline upon the proud. You are ever active yet always at rest. You are my God, my life, my holy delight. But is this enough to say of you? Can any man say enough when he speaks of you? Amen. Jesus, we love you. We give this church to you. May it always be yours. May it be a real church. May it not just look pretty, but may it be a church filled with hearts that love you, with lives that are obedient to you, with people who spread the gospel of your salvation. May you build this church. Today is Trinity Sunday. And I want you to think really briefly about counterfeits. I feel like one of the, the hardest things about being an adult is trying to figure out which things you should go for the full name brand on and which things you're like, this I can do, the, I can do the like knockoff cheap thing, right? I struggle with that. You know, you go like, you get like cold medicine and you're like, looks like the same thing, but am I, is this gonna make it worse? Is it's, you know, it's half the price, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? I know after this sermon, 20 of you will tell me which one's right. Um, but sometimes we get that right. Sometimes we get that wrong. And there's certain things you should never buy the counterfeit model of, right? I made this mistake about a year ago with my bike shorts, <laughs> right? I know that's an image you do not want in your head. I understand. <laughs> but I couldn't think of anything else, so deal with it. I, last year, I got some bike shorts, and I, I was like, you know what? This one's like half the price. Like, I'm just going to go with this. 
terrible, terrible mistake. If you're ever buying bike shorts, get the real deal. And when I'm biking with those ones, which I don't anymore, they just, they just don't fit right. Sometimes, right, we, we go for those counterfeits. What I want to talk to you about, brothers and sisters, today's mystery of the Holy Trinity, which God brought us into the church today. The Holy Trinity is the ultimate mystery of our faith. And the Trinity is a mystery of communion. Right? It's a mystery where God, right, in his perfect unity in distinct persons, has perfect love. And here's what I want to bring you to today. You cannot have a counterfeit for real communion. Satan loves to offer us cheap counterfeits. He loves to give us something that looks like the real thing. But he wants to twist what God wants to give us so that we'll never attain the real gift God has. Thomas Merton says this. He says to live in communion, right? Today's a day of communion, right? The Trinity has communion. Communion means that we live and we love each other, right? We're in communion with one another. To live in communion, in genuine dialogue with others is absolutely necessary if man is to remain human, right? If you don't have relationships, deep, real relationships, you will be weird, right? And life gets funky and it gets strange and you will be strange, right? I know people like this and so do you. You have to have others, you have to have that communion to live a really human life. But listen to this, but to live in the midst of others, right, maybe you're around a bunch of people, to live in the midst of others, sharing nothing with them but the common noise and the general distraction isolates a man in the worst way. It separates him from reality in a way that is almost painless. This is happening right now in our country and in our world. You and I settle for counterfeits of communion. Technology is easy to blame, but it's bigger than that. You were made for a deep, abiding, powerful love with God and with others. But that is a costly love, brothers and sisters. It's expensive. To have real love with others, to have real communion with God and with those around you is not cheap. It is not cheap. If you are going to be a man or a woman of communion, you have to be someone who is growing in virtue, in holiness, in patience. You have to be someone who's learning how to love God. You have to learn how to be silent. Communion is not cheap. The whole reason we have a church, right? When you walk into a church, this is so much different from most churches. Today, people are building cheap churches. When you walk into this church, beauty 
right? When we started this whole project, there's a line I stole from Balthazar, and he says, when the truth is beautiful, we desire to be good. When the truth is beautiful, we desire to be good. I don't know why, but when I walk into a beautiful church, I know I'm supposed to be a better man. And I want to be. Right? The beauty moves me, and I look at beautiful churches, and we have a beautiful church, and I look at Jesus, and I look at the, the amazing artistry, and I say, Lord, I know that I'm supposed to be like this. I know that I'm not supposed to settle for cheap counterfeits and imitations. But Lord, I know my soul and my heart and my mind are supposed to be like this church. When the truth is beautiful, we desire to be good. Brothers and sisters, this church is meant, what's more important than this church, and it is important, but what's more important is you. And I want to wrap up today. The word became flesh. There's three reasons we chose that phrase. The first one is that it's Marian. The word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. The place where the word of God, Jesus, the word, the place where the word of God became flesh was in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's the first reason we chose that phrase. The second reason is because it's Eucharistic. Every time we come to Mass, the word becomes flesh on this altar. beautiful, powerful, and the, the, this phrase in our sanctuary is amazing. It reminds us, right, the word becomes flesh, it comes to meet us. God wants to break into our world the communion of the Holy Trinity, the love that is beyond all loves. That love wants to break into our lives. The word wants to become flesh. And that's the third reason. The third reason we chose that is because the word has to become flesh in your life. You and I, God has graced us. I believe, I 100% believe this. God has poured out grace into our parish community and people in our parish love God. And that becomes a responsibility. And what that means for us is the word, what we believe, right, my faith, Jesus, my love for you, my commitment that I know you are the truth, that has to become flesh in us. It has to be lived among us in our relationships with each other. Brothers and sisters, God, this is, today is not the culmination, today is the beginning. We have a church now that's going to mirror what God is doing in our relationships, in our hearts, and in our souls. But the word has to become flesh. Jesus, today on the feast of the most holy trinity, Lord, what I want more than anything in my life is communion. 
I want deep relationships that are filled with love and truth and goodness. And Lord, I desire that with you. Lord, may this church remind every one of us, may the beauty of this church, Jesus, may it always challenge us that our souls are to be more beautiful than this church. May they call us to holiness. May the beauty of the truth make us desire to become good. Lord, we give you this church. We give you ourselves, our lives, our hearts, our minds. May you protect this church. May you dwell here always. And Jesus, we give it to you together. And brothers and sisters, pray with me. We give it to you through Our Lady. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death.